Hey, Coffee Breakers. I'm AC. And I'm Scully, and I'm taking over today. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the Netflix documentary, Don't Pick Up the Phone. Okay. Full disclosure, I watched one episode. Not all of it, but one episode. So I kind of have a premise of what's going on, okay. but I, I didn't deep dive. Okay, so before we start, yeah. what would you say... If I told you law enforcement was on the phone and they had a, gave a general description of someone you work with and that they had stolen a purse, phone, whatever, stolen something, mm -hmm. and you needed to either do a strip search there or have them come down to the office. They'll be on their way in a little while. <laughs> okay. When they finish their shift or you can come get them. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the opposite of every single person <laughs> in this documentary. That was not what took place. Oh, no. Um, so we're definitely going to go into that. And before I start, I want to give a little warning. I am going to talk about rape, sexual assault, that kind of thing. So if it's that's too much for you, just... Catch us on free-for-all. Yep. Just turn this one off, and we'll catch you on the next one. Um, so Don't Pick Up the Phone is a documentary that I saw. It was on my For You page. Highly recommended for me. Netflix really wanted me to watch it, so I did. Well, this is why. <laughs> they got me. They know me. <laughs> so... Uh, it opens with Buddy Stump, which is a detective, and he's talking about how he was at home in the bed, and this all takes place in Mount Washington, Kentucky. A small town. In 2004. Wow. Throwback. Yeah. 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 Okay. He's talking about how he was home, and he was relaxing. I was in college. <laughs> God, it's been a long time, but go ahead. I'm trying to think what was that. I was still in high school. Yeah, I'm not old. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, he's talking about how he's home, and he was, like, relaxing. He gets this call. You need to come down to McDonald's. Something happened. He says he goes down there. He said he walks in, and he's just, you could tell, like, bad, something bad had taken place. The but look of shame. He, he said it was just heavy. Like, there yeah. was just, like, everybody was just, like, it wasn't right. Right. Like, they're still serving customers and stuff. It was just something didn't seem right. Right. So when he goes through to the office, he starts, like, I guess everybody's talking to him at once is kind of the way he's... been just, there, done that. Yeah, just everybody's saying all this stuff. And he's trying to listen, and he said, then one, of, I think it was one of the other cops that was there was like, this whole thing's on camera. And he's like, what? He's like, everything that took place is on camera. So it cuts to the CCTV. Yeah, so the closed-circuit television security yes. footage. And it shows um, the inside of the manager's office. And mm -hmm. you see a young girl who is standing there with nothing on except, like, an apron covering her. and So she's naked. Butt naked. Okay. And uh, then, okay, this is going to twist it. <laughs> yes. And then you see what you will later know as Donna Summers, who is the manager, assistant manager of that McDonald's. Okay. So then... The documentary cuts to a Connie Leonard. She's just a news anchor. Mm -hmm. And she starts explaining to you what took place. Uh-huh. What okay. led to this poor girl being naked in this office. Yeah, because you should never be naked in a McDonald's, ever. Right. So she describes a man, a gentleman, had called in stating that he was an officer um, with the local Mount Washington Police Department. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to note that that police department is less than a mile up the road from that McDonald's. Okay. Okay. He says that he has the manager on the phone of McDonald's along with the corporate McDonald's on the phone and that a petite brunette 
is accused of stealing a wallet from a customer. Okay. Yeah, very general, like nothing, no other identifying stuff. I have never been more happy to be chunky in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Donna answers that call and they tell her this, this officer tells her this. I use air quotes. Y'all can't see that. Um, So let me clarify. So this person on the phone is claiming to be an officer with their local police department. Correct. Stating that a customer has made a complaint stating that this person, this petite petite brunette, stole a wallet. Okay. So Donna's like, oh, I know exactly who that is. That's Louise Ogborn, which is one of her, uh, not co-workers, what it is? Employees. Employees, that's the word I'm looking for. And she's like, I'll go get her. So you see Louise, it starts you back over on the video in the documentary when she's talking, telling you what happened. And you see Louise walk in. Mm -hmm. She's fully clothed. Everything's good. You can see Donna talking to her. And um, they're saying, like, it wasn't just a wallet. She had, like, stolen money out of the purse. Like, it kind of just kept building. Gotcha. So you see Louise start emptying her pockets. Mm -hmm. Like, Like I don't have anything. Correct. Um, This officer says they'll either arrest her there or if you want to help talking to Donna... You can go ahead and do the strip search in office. Okay. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. She. That, first of all, I, I'm. I don't know what McDonald's manager's job description is, but I'm pretty sure that ain't in it. Correct. And I think it's interesting <laughs> to know uh, Donna's 51. All right. So I feel like something should have clicked. Yeah. Now the girl, Louise, is 18. And she, I think it gives expert excerpts at this point where she's talking about how she was brought up. You know, you listen. If an adult tells you to do something, you do something. And it's important that this poor girl um, was working this job because her mother had just lost her job. So Mm. she was working for the purpose of bringing money into the home. Right. She actually wasn't even supposed to work that night. She had agreed to stay on, do a double so she could make a little bit more money because they were busy. So, oh my God! Yeah, absolute happenstance. Like it just, just so happened that poor child was there. And I say child because she's eighteen, but that's still a kid to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like I, you're not an adult until about age twenty-five, in my view. Agree. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll agree. I'm so, barely an adult. They tell her, um, <clears throat> you know, start emptying your pockets. Like she asked Luis, "Do you want to do a strip search here, or they'll arrest you?" And she's like, I would rather do a strip search. Because, I mean, you have to think at 18, she's thinking, I did not do this thing. I cannot lose this job. Like, my mama just lost hers. Like, I'm bringing in money. You know, there's just the panic. Yeah. The Oh, gosh. I couldn't imagine. At 18. At, eight, at 18? Like, I worked at a local grocery store at 18. Yeah. And. I worked at a pharmacy. <laughs> I, I could. I don't know what I would do. Like, I know a lot of people when I go into this are going to want to, like, she should have known better. But honestly, I don't know at 18, I would know better, to be honest with you. I don't know. Right. And then I think it gets to a point where it was out of her hands anyway. Yeah. And we're going to, you're going to talk about that, right? Yes. So before she agrees to the strip search, um, the person on the phone tells Donna, hey, we'll go ahead and black out the door so nobody can see in, like, making it sound like they're just going to do this thing real quick and that'll be that and the girl can go back to her job. So they do that. Um, they talk about how the the caller had calm authority 
Mm-hmm. So it made him feel like he was legitimate. Well, it's that authoritative voice, right? Yeah, but over the phone. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, um, she empties out her pockets, and then it starts, I think, with her shoes, and then her pants, and then her shirt, and then it looks like I watch a lot of like jail and criminal yeah. justice stuff. So it looks like <laughs> what you would, what I've seen like in the jails as a typical search. search. And she's going through the articles, like, going around the waistband, making sure there's nothing there. And then eventually this poor child is just standing there completely naked. Okay? Completely naked. In the small office. In the small office with Miss Donna Summers. All right. Oh, my. Can you imagine how vulnerable you feel at that moment? Oh. Could not even... um, God, I don't even know, man. Because what do you do? At 18? All right. And here's the thing that gets really just crazy for me. All right. So you're about an hour into this call at this point from the start because they would stay in between like each article. He would try to give them more description like we're doing this, check this, like to make it seem more real. Mm-hmm. Like they would, he took a lot of time in between. So it wasn't like a quick, like take get her naked. Off. Yeah. Right. It was slow and methodical. It progressed. It did. Um, so you're about an hour in. And she's naked at And she's point. naked, and they give her an apron at that point. Donna does. Right. Um, here's the part that I just can't get with. Because even if, devil's advocate here, I take the call, and I totally believe it's legit. Mm-hmm. This next part, there's no way. Okay. Okay, and you tell me what you think. And y'all chime in. Y'all can always voice message us. Yeah, or email. Or email. Uh, coffeebreakingchill2024 at gmail.com. <laughs> there you go. The, <clears throat> the caller... Tells Donna to take all of her belongings and her car keys, all of the victims, Miss Louise, and her car keys, and go put them in her car. What? Take all of her clothes, everything that you just took off of her, and go put it in her car with her keys. No. Donna does it. Why? What's the purpose of that? They never said what he said. I'm so curious. It's probably so she can't get them. Like, she can't try to hide stuff in there. Like, I, I, you know. But you just checked it, right? So there wouldn't be anything in there. Well, I know what he was doing. What he was doing is to separate her from her clothes and make this child feel like she's can't escape. Like, that's what he was doing. Yeah. But I don't understand when the manager was like, okay, let's go put this in her car. Like, what is she supposed to wear out of there? Her apron? Yeah, and it didn't even cover her. Like, it barely covered her front. Now, she's a small, very petite girl. But, I mean, we're talking like, it looks like one of those aprons that you just kind of wear around your waist. Mm -hmm. Not like a full apron. Yeah. So she, even if she would have tried, she would have been completely exposed. And then right. I don't even know if her car is locked. So I don't know if they locked her keys and stuff in her car. You see what I'm saying? Like, so I don't even know even if she got out, would she even been able to get to her stuff? Or would she just been butt naked outside? Oh, my God. I didn't think about that. So there's that. Um, the detective chimes in like... He is just so blown away. Like, as he's watching this. He keeps talking about, he doesn't <laughs> understand how people, he doesn't say it like this, but he doesn't understand how people could be so stupid. Right. But he just can't, like, I can't believe Please you listened to this part. Like, he's so country, and I just, I love him. Yes. Um, and she, this I'm is. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sitting here thinking the same thing. Like, right. As far as the manager goes. I can get being, you know, a gullible 18-year-old, but, like, you're 51. You're assistant manager of, like, an establishment. Like, what are you doing? And why do you think... 
I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not about to do something that's out of my job description. I ain't getting paid for this. Yeah, and it's really sad because in the video you see the girl. She's clearly crying. Well, yeah, and Donna's she's like naked. hugging her and still on the phone, but like hugging her and patting her and like it's okay, like comforting her at first, but then still doing it. Like right. that's just the part I just, um, I just can't. So it's still going on. We're still like. This Probably is a long, an hour long or call. so in now. Yeah. And Donna starts asking, like, what is taking so long? Like, why is this taking so long? Like, I don't understand. We did the strip search. Like, <laughs> she's clean. Yeah. She states um, that he kept saying, like, he would come up with reasons, like, we're on our way or. It's a mile down the road. Where are you coming from? That's why I said it was important to know it was less than a mile down the road so you could have walked it in Correct. 10 minutes and then it was like we're we're um we're kind of understaffed like just trying to give her reasons and she bought it hook line and sinker so he tells her do you have a man in your life that you trust why does it gotta be a man i don't know that's just what he is all right and she said yes my fiance walter nix oh this is gonna go so bad yes and i just have to say this every man i know in my life Every single man, from my preacher to my daddy to my brothers to my husband, if I called any of them and they walked in and a girl standing there only with an apron, every man I know is out. They are leaving immediately and they're like, you're going to jail. I want no part of this. And they're leaving. Right. And rightfully so. Every single, yes. And I just don't understand this man's approach. And that's why me as a person, I believe Walter Nix is a predator, was a predator. Maybe an undercover predator. From the get. Yeah. Because you don't respond the way he did <laughs> to this situation and you ain't got something wrong with you. Because like I said, every person I know would have no part of it. Yeah. So in walks Walter Nix. What? I'm just thinking of the reaction. I'm trying to picture my people's faces and they would be like, oh God. Yeah. They'd be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, all my people. Yeah. And but I'm never call I'm never coming when you call me again. You understand? Right, like you're, never you're, you're ever. dead to me. Like yes. don't ever call me. What's wrong with you? Like that's where my people would go. Yeah. But Walter Nix is like, I got you. So he walks in and he takes over. He um Donna leaves. Donna's like, I'm busy, we're in the middle of dinner, I've gotta go. So she goes out of the office back out there. And that boggles my mind too, how you can go from being in this you know that girl is in that room naked. And you're mm -hmm. just going to go on about your job, but whatever. Um, so Walter Nick takes over. He tells her, and this is the part I don't know. We're 2004, so I don't know that he had the capability to be able to see what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know. Other than they told him, but he, Walter tells <coughs> Luis, the caller wants you to drop the apron, and he takes it from her. How did he know that she had an apron? See, I don't know. Unless they told him, but I just don't believe that. I think that, I don't know what was the caller and what was Walter. Uh, That's my personal opinion. Okay. Um, that makes more sense. Then he tells her to start doing jumping jacks. She needs to run in place. We need to see if anything falls out. You never know where she may have hid something. That's what he claims the caller says. <laughs> There's... No, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let what I was just thinking go. It's not appropriate. Just okay. keep going. Two hours in now. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Two hours in at this point. He uh. has her stand in a chair at one point. On the video, you see her standing in the chair. It never explains why. 
Like, I was so intrigued by that. Cause well, I'm, I guess so you can get a better view. Is that what he said? Like I don't know. I don't know. It just it boggles my mind. But from time to time, you'll see Donna come in. Mm-hmm. Okay? Every time that Donna comes in, he gives Louise back the cover. And she covers herself back up with the apron. Mm-mm. Every single time that Donna comes in. Mm-mm. Okay? I found that you know interesting. Yeah. So... Either Donna doesn't realize stuff's happening because there's one time that Donna walks in and she was naked still. Like, well, she's always naked. She was uncovered. Yeah. And then Donna walks between them. And when she walks between them, Walter hands Louise the apron and she covers up. And it does look like Donna goes straight to the safe. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I'd pick up. I'm, I'm analytical, so I feel like I would be. What happened? Like, what did I just walk in on? Kind of thing. But she never seems to register it. Well, no offense or nothing, but yeah, we had a, a girl in the office naked for two hours. Yeah. Like, you know she doesn't have her clothes. Yeah. So you took them outside and put them in her car. So I really don't think she cared that this child was standing in there naked. I agree. I agree to you. In my opinion. In the video, it shows Louise sitting down and Donna's doing something on my computer and Louise like puts her head on Donna. Yeah. And you can tell like she's getting worn down mentally. Like I think that was, I don't think the child knew how to be like, help me. Mm-hmm. But I think that was her trying to say it. And that really, I don't I know. know. That it just hurts. hit me differently. Well, yeah, because she's being accused of this thing. So she's afraid that her, she's going to lose her job. She's afraid that her manager's going to have a bad opinion of her now. Mm -hmm. And And she just wants to prove she's innocent and be done with it. Right. Like, she doesn't know why she's having to do all this stuff. But another thing, the caller um, would tell her she had to say yes, sir, and no, sir, or she would be punished. That ain't real. That ain't real. Right. Um, Well, none of this is real. None of well, this is real. real. None of this is legit. Like, n- nothing this man is doing is legal. Correct. I mean, it's real <laughs> in the fact that it happened, but, yeah, yeah I agree with you. Um, so, so why then, not make up another you know, law? So then it cuts back to um, Officer Stump, or Chief Stump, Assistant Chief. He is. And he's talking about Walter Nix, and that Walter Nix, from all the cases up until this point, has been like an upstanding member. He calls him a churchgoer, a family man. He said he's around kids all the time. Like, he's a little league coach. Well, okay. every, he said he doesn't know what happened in that room to make every moral fiber of Walter just leave. Yeah, because it did, right? It did. So this is when it starts taking a... I mean, it's already icky that he's just sitting there. It's more... It's a darker turn. Yeah. Um, so, in the video, you see him turn her over his lap and spank her. And he spanks her on and off for about 20 minutes. Okay? What? Yes. And it never says as to why this was done, um, but that he spanked her so hard that in the video you could see how, like, bloodshot and red her but was from how many times he had hit her over and over and over. Across his lap. Across his lap. Had her lean over like a little kid getting a whooping. And like, yeah. Okay. So, 
Again, I don't know if the caller told him to do this or this is just Walter yeah. at this point because it never... For every other thing that happens, they're like, oh, you have to do this for this reason, for this reason. There's several things in here that happen that there's no quote-unquote given. Yeah. So then the next thing he said he's told to do is for her to sit on his lap. Um, and that happens several times, you see. And that's so that he could check her breath for drugs or alcohol. So now she's a drug smuggler as well as a thief, Correct. Huh? It's switched from the stolen wallet, whatever, to drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Then she was told she had to give him a kiss so that mm -hmm. he could test for drugs or alcohol. That ain't how that's done. Nope. Yep. Nope, nope. And then, this is when it, like, it's the worst. <clears throat> um, she was made to perform oral sex on him. And again, no, I don't know what the reasoning, quote unquote, was behind that. There was no reasoning. There couldn't have been. I feel like that was him. I truly do. Well, you very well might be. And I'll correct. tell you why as we get okay, farther into it. But I just, I do. Oh, okay. I think he was just a pervert. And it. It does speak about the victim at this point where she speaks, where she just was like trying, she was zoning out. Yeah. She, she talks about how she, she didn't did. know what she could do. Like she just was trying to get through it. She just thought, I just have to get through it. Like just whatever to get through it. And then the detective, it's back to him and he's talking about how he's just so shocked that somebody can pick up a phone mm -hmm. and just do everything, <laughs> do everything. Um, but something must've clicked in Walter's head that, Oh, crap. Because right after that happens, he takes off. Oh, yeah. He's satisfied now. Leaves. Gone. Gross. Yeah. So, um, the call finally ends for poor Louise when a off-duty, I guess when Walter took off, um, Donna needed someone else to watch her because the call wasn't done. And I don't know how you can think this is still appropriate. Right, which Donna doesn't know what all She occurred. doesn't know what took place at that point. Right. Um, she doesn't know that her fiancé has victimized yeah. this girl even further, like to a felony level. Yeah. Um, so she calls, it's actually an off-duty custodian that was in the restaurant. She takes him back there. And there's this poor girl again, and this older gentleman walks in. He gets on the phone and he listens for just a few minutes and was like, no way, and hangs up and tells Donna, that wasn't a real call. Like, that's not legit. And she finally realizes, oh, crap, this is a hoax. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And it had been hours. Hours. Well, I know at least two to three. I think it's about three hours was the totality of that one. Oh, my God. Yeah, start to finish. So that's when they call in Stump, right? Yeah. Or they call the they call it law in. enforcement. Yes, and they're trying Can to figure out. Can you imagine me and Louise after just having this experience with somebody that's supposedly law enforcement mm -hmm. and then having to speak to an actual law enforcement in detail? Can you imagine just the... I'd want to see all of your stuff. Like, I would want to see every single bit of your... Credentials. Credentials. Like, I would... I, would, I don't know. Like, I feel like I would have be so... Man, how do you? I know this person wasn't law enforcement, but they were they were presenting as if they were. Yeah, like I can. Mm. So it cuts back to Stump, and he's mm -hmm. talking about he went to interview the victim, and he realizes it's his neighbor. Oh no! He said he walked into her, and he said I looked at her, and she thought you know she looks familiar, and she said it's me, Stump. 
it's it's Luis, and that hit home for him. Yeah. Um. So he's like, nope, I'm I'm finding who did this. Yeah. And he was by their own thing about like the apron and stuff. He felt like it was some way that they could see. So he thought it's local. Yeah. He thought somebody is like got a view. Somebody put a camera in there. It might Something. be somebody who even worked here. But... Did they know Luis? Was it a prank like that went too far? Like, or was it meant to be malicious? Oh, yeah. It went like, way too far. Yeah. Um, so he said he didn't know where to start um, because who who's the caller? How yeah. do you find out who the caller is? But so he, he did he did arrest the Walter dude, right? Like not yet. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. So he's trying to figure out this case. Mm-hmm. I think he did send detectives. I think you're right. He did. He went ahead and sent detectives to pick him up because he was like, if nothing else, he going to jail. Right. But I gotta figure out everybody else. Yeah. I don't think it tells you too much <laughs> on it at this point in the thing. But I did. I think I remember now that you say that he, he sent said people. He's like, well, that's a felony. Yeah. He's like, he going and <laughs> nobody else. So he's trying to figure out this case and work it. So he Google searches McDonald's strip search. You can find anything on Google. And he found custodian body cavity searched a female employee in Georgia. Taco Bell, Arizona, picked out a customer. A customer. Okay. A Taco Bell in Arizona picked out a customer who fit the description and searched her. Um, 95, 1995. You mean to tell me that 73 individual managers, assistant managers, somebody with authority at a restaurant. Many. At that point, there was 73 cases in 32 states. 73 cases. Yeah. In how many? 30? 32 states. 32 states. You mean to tell me. That we know of. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh-uh. Many. At that point, there was 73 cases in 32 states. Strip searched their employees? Yes, that we know of. That we know of. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me that 73 individual managers, assistant managers, somebody with authority at a restaurant strip searched their employees? Yes, that we know of. That we know of. Mm-hmm. Scully, you've got to be kidding me. Absolutely not. I wish. But it did say that he was targeting small towns. No. no. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. This is why I had such a bone to pick with it. Because it makes everybody from a small town look as though we'll just answer the phone and you say strip, we'll strip. Like, <laughs> and that's what just bothers me so much. I was about to say, I'm from a strong, uh, uh, small town. Correct. Me too. And, and nah. No. And I, I guess that's why... It just bothers me so bad. So he tracked down that the first call was in 1994. God, I was, I was 10 years old. Yeah, that was the first call That's in 1994. And he was concerned because he has a sexual predator out there. It's been 10 years because here we are, 2004. Yeah. And he's not showing any signs of stopping. Okay. So he's scared as to who's next. Yeah. Um, so then it cuts to 1994 when you get to hear about the first call. Okay. And that was Blackfoot, Idaho. And you know immediately what I thought about with Blackfoot. Mm-hmm. But Barefoot? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, a joke for a later time. Yes. Um, 
The victim's name is Elizabeth, and she it's a small farming town. She talked about she's lived there her whole life. She was 16 years old. 16. And she worked at a pizza hut. This happened December 16, 1999. Aww. She said she was called back by her manager to the office, um, stating that she had stole a purse with $50 bill in it, and that she couldn't really remember what the, the person who had called the, the same officer called in, um, was Detective Smith, I think is what he used, that somebody had came to him stating that a server, didn't know what they looked like, just a server had stolen. Yeah. Wait, wait, no. They just pulled a random server? Yeah. Gave a, well, they said it was a general <coughs> description. It was female 5'2". Oh, so that's the only short Blonde server? hair. I forgot blonde hair. So they call in Elizabeth. Well, Elizabeth's not 5'2", and Elizabeth does not have blonde hair. Oh, okay. So it just didn't. Yeah. And she was like, it's not me. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't look like that. I'm not 5'2", whatever. But they gave her the same thing. Either you can be arrested or you can agree to the strip search. You come and get me. So she agrees to the strip search. Starts the same way. Shoes, pants, shirts. Shoes, pants, shirt with a lot of talk in between, trying to, like, build them up. Um, she says she keeps pleading, like, this isn't right. It's not me. I didn't do it. Then this is where, again, even if you, I'm going to say, if you're dumb enough to believe it's law enforcement and get this far in it, mm -hmm. when it switches, I feel like common sense has to kick in, but it didn't. Um, manager strips her down mm -hmm. completely. She's naked. She's naked. Every time he took an article of clothing, he put it in the safe. Here's what he was told to do. Um, the caller then tells the manager that he needs to describe her breast, her uh, genitalia, her bra size. She said at this point she got on the phone and was like, what does this have to do with anything? Which I commend her for at least doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, she's pleading this whole time, like, I don't understand. What does this have to do with anything? At that point, a co-worker, again, just some random person, uh, walks in. His name's Derek. You get to hear from him. And he said he'll never forget because when he came in, he said the manager was just pouring sweat. He's like, I'll never forget the amount of sweat on this man. <laughs> and I just thought that was an interesting. He was nervous. Yeah. And he said, he asked, and he said he grabs the phone and immediately was like, who is this? Yeah. He said the calm, the caller was super calm and cool, telling him, you know, he's da -da 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 from whatever. And he said, well, then you of all people should know that this manager should not be strip searching a minor. And when he said that, the caller hung up. And then um, she said that. Good for her for having some guts, man. She said she went home and she talks about having her legal pad and just writing everything out. She said that it was demoralizing the way that they just talked about her body yeah and looked at all parts of her body and just how yeah, you're oh, not absolutely a, you're I, not a gynecologist absolutely um like, i think she had to do the running in place as well and like moving around the whole yeah. thing um <clears throat> so yeah i she talks about that and then she they reported it and then nothing was really done with it like it just kind of Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And that was that. So then it fast forwards yeah. to 2004. And this one, um, I 
I think it was in Massachusetts, if I'm remembering, because okay. this is when you meet the other detective. He calls four different branches, four Wendy's, four separate Wendy's in Massachusetts. You see like a, um, a news headline talking about female manager assaulted a male, touched him inappropriately, like... Strip searched the male. Did touch, just did a bunch of stuff that wasn't necessarily necessary. And then you meet Victor, and I think it's Flattery, I think is how you say his name. Okay. But he's a detective sergeant from Boston, and he is the polar opposite of Stump because he is so Boston. Yeah. And, yeah, I just... I love both of them. I liked him because he's like, he's talking about, I get a lot of drug cases. So he's like, we're buying cocaine and like Molly and Percocets on Monday. And then Tuesday, I get a call about a person being strip searched in the Wendy's. <laughs> and he was just like, I was so... What? Right. He's like, I'm usually buying drugs, which just cracked me up. Because I'm like, wow, that sounds... Fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dangerous, but fun. Yes. And... I will tell you the only reason. Okay. Cause where you assign that to? Right. I who do you assign that to? This is so weird. Like, who do you assign that to? I agree. Cause it was pre-internet, so you don't have like an internet division yet, or most local law yeah. enforcement didn't have like a. Well, it wasn't pre. The internet was a thing, but you know, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't as readily available at your fingertips. Right. Yeah. And. Like, who, who do you assign? I guess the drug guys. Like, who do you assign a murder? He's a detective, I, so you well, take it. They, sexual assault, maybe, but... Yeah. Is it? Like, but but it is, but it isn't. But, but it is. Like, yeah. who do you assign that to? I, I, I'm, I'm with him. I'm just like, you know what? We're going to give it over here to the vice. <laughs> I will tell you, the only reason that Stump was able to even continue his investigation is because one of the employees... At the McDonald's of his did Star 69. Do you remember when Star 69? Oh, yeah. Okay, so they Star 69'd it and got a number. Oh. So Stump had his numbers from that. Gotcha. This officer did a reverse toll and pulled all the numbers. To, similar. I think yeah. it's just like the way the cops do it, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and he found out that they're all, that all the numbers were fake. Oh. Like there weren't a number that led number. To, to somebody. Right. So... He starts calling AT&T. He said he talked to so many people. He said that he had talked to, um, what was her, Michelle, I think. Yeah, Michelle at AT&T. He said he spoke to her more than he spoke to his wife at that point. <laughs> that they got really up close because he kept asking her, well, what's this for? What's, what's this, this for? And eventually she said, you know what? I think this is one of our calling cards. And he's like, okay, so how do we trace it? And she's like, well, you can't. And he said that they went back and forth forever until finally he said she called him one day and was like, I got good news for you. And he's like, what? Since 9-11, calling, calling cards can be traced. They just didn't really want the public to know that. So she had traced. Oh, look at AT&T being shady. I know, right? Like, go ahead. But for a good reason. Yeah. In this Maybe. particular case. Um worked out well I guess not really she found out that the calling cards were purchased in Panama City Florida because of course in Florida yes but the issue was he was still using pay phones right so that's it doesn't tie back to like correct at that time pay phones were very popular like how you're gonna everywhere yeah. and they were still readily used and as bet... were calling cards right and I bet you didn't use the same pay phone he did not right. he hopped around so he calls Panama PD, and this part just cracked me up because I'm just like, how? 
I'll just read it and you tell me. He called Panama PD and was like, hey, yeah, I'm having these strip searches. And Panama PD's like, yeah, we've been having multiple calls about that. Just like, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. They've happened. To, it's Florida. From all different areas, man. It's Florida. <laughs> it was just very much like, like hey. you know, you, you know what the, the, like, the trope or the joke is, type in your birth date in Florida, man, see what pops up. That's so, true. So I just... It just seemed well, like they were very that's like mild for them on that day. I think isn't that where the zombie ate the face, like the bath I think salt so, yeah. Like, yeah, that ain't nothing. And the old man wrestled the alligator and stuff for yeah, his dog. Yeah, that ain't nothing in Florida. They're like, yeah. Well, he, it just the way that it was so dismissive. Like, oh yeah, it's yeah. Tuesday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Call us on Wednesday. See what happens. But <laughs> yeah, he said he realized then that God, um, I'd hate to be law enforcement in Florida. Yeah, he said he'd realized then that like I guess the mo is mm-hmm. that. This guy liked the power. Like, he yeah. seemed to really, really want that authority. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't know if he was, like, a wannabe cop or how much he had practiced. Because he said, you know how many times he probably got hung up on. Oh, yeah. For sure. And each time he got a little farther and a little farther until he's finally perfected perfect, this thing. Yeah. And, I mean, in Massachusetts, he was four for four. He got all four Wendy's to do it. Yeah, no. So. Hey. PSA. To any, 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 anybody working in a restaurant, don't strip search your employees. No. And also, y'all, if you work in a restaurant, don't be strip searched. Like, Don't consent to that. Don't consent to that. Because yeah. if the cops need to strip search you, they'll come and get you. Right. If they're going to arrest you. And they you, ain't calling you to let you know they're coming. Thank you. Like, they're just going to roll up and get you. Like, right. they don't announce it. Right. Because they don't want you to run. If you truly are guilty. Right. Um, so now he turns his attention to where were the calling cards purchased? And he finds out that they were purchased on February 19th, 2004, at a Panama City Walmart. So he calls that Walmart and he said he talked to so many people and then finally they were like hey here's the person he's like can I get your tapes like my god I've been on the phone forever can I have your tapes they're like sure sure come and get them so this is still VHS oh yeah so they sent him a VHS tape and the issue with his tape was it's like six months worth of oh gosh stuff and it it bounces so it'd be like jewelry and then it would be Home goods, and then it's grocery. How do you and, even narrow that down? And he said it was like every couple, of, not even a couple of minutes. Like we're talking here, and then five seconds here, maybe 10, 15 seconds, next place. And the other issue is it had no registers. It had the front door, and it had all the departments, but that's it. What? Okay. So. So basically nothing. It stalls. Yeah. It's, because. So like what you can do with it. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, Buddy, at this point, it takes you back to Buddy. And Buddy had found out, because he also called the PD. So, I'm wondering how many calls this PD department in Panama City got. Well, apparently just, a lot. They told him, hey, there's another guy that called, and his name's Victor. You, you know. So, he gets up with Victor. And he's like, what? A buddy says that Victor seemed surprised that he got as far as he did. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Buddy, Victor talked about he ate. He's, he's from a small department. Like, our department's small, but his is small. small. It's like the one person. Yeah. And one like person admin. Buddy and one other person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he asked Buddy, like, send me your cards. Let me see what your cards are and see if they're purchased at a different Walmart so we can try to track this guy down. Yeah, because you wouldn't use the same Walmart. Correct. So he sends him his card, 
Um, he calls that Walmart. It was a different Walmart, thankfully. Yeah. And they get, it's like an overhead view, mm -hmm. but they finally get somebody. Mm-hmm. And in Buddy's tape, they're able to identify he's a white male, 30s to 40s, six feet, black hair. Um, and they're able to see that. So then he takes that information and goes back to his hopping tape mm -hmm. because his tape has the door. And he's able to look for that same general build, face, description that he has from Buddy's video to try to pinpoint. You see... Um, the same man fitting the description walking in and he realizes he's got a braid down his pants. So for those of you who don't know, a lot of law enforcement have the line. Everybody knows what cop pants are. <laughs> police pants. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Police pants. He calls them police pants. But does it in this ep episode. He goes, this episode ends, this is all in the first episode, by well, the way. it's usually a reflective strip. Yeah. He, it ends with him going, crap, he's a cop. Yeah. And then the episode ends. Which kicked you on the I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's somebody like pseudo law enforcement. I mean, obviously, no actual cop is doing this. Like, well, I don't know. Or, well, not for any actual legal purpose. No, no, no. But there, it's not a good cop. Correct. He's doing it for some kind of gratification, whatever yeah. that may be. Some sick gratification, weirdo. Go ahead. Yeah, so then it opens episode two, and you're in 2002, and you're in Statesboro, Georgia, and you meet Deborah. Um, and on here, on there, it says that she's caller number 67. Yeah. And Deborah is a twin to her brother Daniel. Okay. Um, what's the one where they don't look alike? Fraternal. Fraternal, okay. <laughs> um, they're both in college, they're working. To make ends meet, okay. So she's working at a Taco Bell, and she comes home at 3 a.m. telling her brother about this weird thing that took place at work that night or that morning. She said that her manager stated that there was a detective on the phone and that a purse had been stolen, which is again his same mo: something stolen, um, and that she fit the description. So she had two options: strip search by an officer or let the manager. Um, she. believed the detective so she she complied she consented yes so hers was done i think hers was the one that everything that was taken off of her was put into the safe okay um they told her that she had to do exercises till she sweat so she had to do jumping jacks running in place all this other stuff here's the reasoning for quote to see if she had green residue to see if she had money hidden on her body anywhere so go ahead <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. Well, they can't I'll see wait. your face. So. Yes, thank um, God y'all can't see my face because I make them. Um, what now? She had to work out until she started to sweat so that it could rub all over her body in different areas to see if any green residue came out because that would mean she had money hidden on her body. At some point? Yes. And is that? No. Is that? That's not real, is it? No way, right? I, I, I can't, no, I kind of. I think if your money's bleeding green, you've got a bigger fake. issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. okay. But he I... checked her mouth, her ears. Um, what money are you putting in your ear? 
her genitals had she had to bend over like you've seen in the prison where they have to like squat and cough Mm -hmm. she just had to bend over and spread so that he could see um what between her toes again what money are you putting in between your toes again i I don't know but they she had to do all of this she i think she said it too that he had the manager read every tag so like took off her shirt whatever the size was read that Took off her bra, read that. like. Oh, we don't care about brands, the sizes, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, she said it, it started to get really scary. And she yeah. said that's when she said no. And she said then the manager got really angry. And I thought at her, but apparently it was with this officer, told the officer, quote, F you, I'm not going to say the word, mm-hmm. and then walked out of the office, like threw her clothes at her and was like, I'm done. Yeah. No, this had been hours. That call had been hours. So I don't know what all exactly took place because this particular victim has a hard time talking about it. Gotcha. So they're, okay. Yeah. It could be just her reaction to it or it could have been something very nefarious. Yeah. She said um, like a half, one to two days later, she realized that it was a hoax and that. That she had been taken advantage of. Basically. And she was super embarrassed. Well, yeah. And she said it was after that she quit her job and she just dropped out of school. Oh, no. Um, so then I'm trying to see where it hops us to. Um, it takes us to, to back to 2004. And you get to see what's happening with... Um, no, it, it takes you to Vic. And he's finally to able a, finally able to get a picture of the perpetrator. Like, mm-hmm. they know who they're looking for. Gotcha. So he's getting ready to go down to that precinct to be like, who's you do doing the stuff? Right. Um, but then it switches. That's when you hear police pants. Uh, he's got police pants on. Some. So he knows he's going to the precinct yeah. to try to find this person. Because he thinks at that particular time that he is an actual law enforcement officer mm-hmm. who works in and around that precinct. Yes. Okay. And you got to be, like, as a law enforcement officer yourself, mad. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I would think. Because you're Like, what are you doing? Right. You have ruined everybody's life, but you have ruined so many people's lives. But not only, I've had to investigate this. I am mad. I mean, that's the way I go. I'm totally with you. But it cuts to 2004, and it's back to Dennis Summers and Walter Nix. So... Walter Nix, it lets you know kind of what happens. He was convicted of sex crimes. He was placed on the registry, and he received five years of prison sentence, a five-year prison sentence, which, I don't know. I feel like you should get more, but that's just because I feel like he was a predator to get with, but right. that's just my personal that's, opinion. That's all that's been proven, though. Correct. Donna Summers um, accepted the plea deal. Yeah. Walter Nix tried. And his his lawyer actually said he was just a good guy that got caught up in a weird situation, and it was just unfortunate. And that judge completely ripped that apart and was like, no, he's not a good guy. And yeah, it's weird, but that does not give you a right to do I mean, anything that someone tells you to do on the phone. Like, you have to have some kind of common sense. Or you're dangerous. Correct. So my whole thing is, if he was just sitting in there watching this girl, that's bad enough. Absolutely. Like, but you convinced her to perform, to sit in your lap, to perform oral sex on you, to spank her, all these sexual things. Mm. 
that you had to know as a grown person. Yeah. This is not legitimate, and you right. are enjoying it because as soon as you had your orgasm, you bounced. Yeah. Then it clicked to you. Then it clicked no, to you. No. I don't believe that. I think you were. I think he was waiting. I think, honest to goodness, I don't know how much was the caller and how much was him. Right. Because of all the other calls, there was stuff where they touched on them, but none of the other calls seemed to have reached that level that at least were reported. Gotcha. So we don't know. So that's why I feel like there was a little something extra there with Mr. Nix. So I just wonder if it was two gross people who just combined it on I think the, it was. I think it was a perfect the, storm. On that telephone. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I do. Blech. So Donna does the plea deal, and she takes an Alfred plea. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it means that she admits guilt, that there's enough evidence for her to be considered guilty, but she maintains her innocence. So under the law, under the lies of the law. So she got one year. She was convicted of a misdemeanor. She got one year of probation, and she was fired, obviously. Well, yeah. And she makes a statement that she has such unprofound guilt. That's not wrong. Wouldn't you say I have such profound? Unprofound? That's what she said. Yeah, unprofound means that you're not guilty. Like you, well, she says for the situation that she, if it was me and I had done this thing, I would have profound, like I would have major, major guilt. Right. But she actually says I have such unprofound guilt. Okay, so unprofound means not special. That's what I thought. Okay. So maybe I misspoke. She probably did misspoke because I think what she was trying to say was that she feels horrible about this. I agree. And she said it ruined her life because she was all over the news. Well, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but you ruined this girl's too. Or you were a party to it. You were a party to it. You're the absolute adult and and the person in authority. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're culpable. You're culpable. You got to take your, you know, your lumps. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because in a way she was a victim too. Yeah. But he didn't even get you. But you common sense. You're 50-something years old. You're 50-something years old. And it's not like, I mean, you run this McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to have some freaking sense. Yes. Like, you count money. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're right. If a, if a detective was on the phone, I was like, I'm going to send it in somebody, give me half of the safe. I don't think she would have done it. Right. <laughs> like, Ooh, good point. I didn't think about that. I don't think she would have done that. So, but so where I get messed up with that is she called her fiance. Mm-hmm. Like, were there not other employees at the McDonald's? I guess not one she could spare. <laughs> and well, well, yeah, she's already down one because she's naked in the freaking room. But I just, I don't get it. I agree. Um, so this is the part that I found really interesting. I mean, the whole thing intrigues me because it's just so. It's like a B-rated horror movie. I've said this. It's just so bizarre. It is bizarre. And Because fact, what is this? I don't even know. So it cuts to Dr. Jerry Berger, which I go hamburger, but that's not his name. It's just Berger. Um, just to be one that that's me, <laughs> but he says you're gonna say it. I so, love it. Social psychology professor. Yeah, and he starts talking about the Milgram study. Yes, I'm familiar with this. Okay, but tell well, I'm gonna listeners. tell our listeners. <laughs> the Milgram study is basically he had three participants. Um, one was 
I guess the like him, he was over it. Yeah. And then he had somebody come in to be the quote unquote teacher. That was the actual subject. Right. And then the third person was supposed to be the subject. Right. So the teacher had to ask people simple memory questions. And when they got it wrong, they were instructed to shock the test subject. Mm -hmm. So each time they got something wrong, they were supposed to shock them with a higher velocity of higher voltage. Yeah. So they were told they had to do this because they agreed to be the teacher. The person on the other side, the test subject, was not getting shocked, but they were pretending as though they were. And they were purposefully getting questions wrong to see how far the teacher would go. Right. And he found that they'll keep going. Like, right. and when asked at the end, why did you keep doing it? They would say, because you told me I had to. Like, you told me I had to continue. So, Which just opens up a whole big can of worms for me. <laughs> what do you, why? Because just because somebody tells you you have to do something doesn't mean. Because I remember this study from college. Like sometimes the the voltage, quote unquote voltage, would get up to lethal amounts. Yeah, it was. It was lethal amounts, and it was longer. So it'd be like a little zap, and then it would go for like a minute or whatever. Like it would continue to go up so, until it hit those lethal amounts. But but that means this human being. Felt justified in murdering this other human being for getting a question wrong because they were told to yep. by the professor. Well, he said that they found that people hated it, and you—if you watch the study, you see them uh, yeah. like they're like agonizing. Yeah, over. they're but having they legit. Still do it. Yeah, but they still do it, and that just—that bothers me on a profound level. I'm like, would I? And then I feel like, no, I'd be like, I'm not. I don't. I want know to. me. I'm like, I'm not. I might shock them one or two times. Yeah, but not to but a lethal. But we get to when you're like, oh, you got to hold it. And the I first time they whimpered, I'm like, it ain't worth it. I ain't doing it. Correct. But he found under the right circumstances, people may comply. Because everybody kept saying, how could you do this? How could people fall for this? And yeah. it's this study. Like, yeah. that's how people do. So then it cuts to, wow. <laughs> it cuts to Hardy's 2003. Okay. And this is Rapid City, South Dakota. That's okay. where this takes place. And you meet Alan, okay? Oh, no. Alan is 50 years old, and he talks about being um, charged. Yeah, he's charged because he's not he's not been to court yet. Okay. So he's charged with rape and kidnapping, or two counts of, one count of rape and I think two counts of kidnapping or something. I don't remember. Maybe it was one on one. But his lawyer is speaking for him. And he received a phone call that a customer had called law enforcement. So it was law enforcement, same guy, saying that someone had stolen money from a customer that either they can do the strip search there or do it at thing. So he tells the girl and she comes back there. She complies, same thing, shoes, blouse, all the way down. Um, the victim in this case, you, you don't get her name, but she herself got on the phone 13 different times with this caller okay. herself. Okay, she had to do the jumping jacks. He had to describe her body like the same M.O. of all the other people. Yeah. Um, except for Luis. Hers went farther. Two, two and a half, three hour long call. Found nothing. And then um, was told that they had to search her for drugs. It went from money to, to now it's drugs. So he's doing that when an assistant manager comes in and is like, he says himself, and I felt sorry for him up until this point. Because the way he presents is like he truly was just stupid and he realizes it. He says that when the assistant manager came in, 
he realized I've screwed up and he immediately quit it and went home. Well, yeah, you had a bad day. Yeah, but if I if I truly thought what I was doing was right up until that point, yeah, at that point, you know me. I, I I'm gonna call and tell them myself what I did. Yeah, honey, you ain't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't have a criminal here. I, I'm not that person. I'm gonna say like I did this. I thought it was this reason. You know. Yeah, I just don't get it. Like I don't get it. Why it takes somebody interrupting this process for it to stop. I agree. But every time, that's what it took. Is somebody coming in to be like, what are you doing? And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess this isn't right. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So he takes off and goes home. And he said he was agonizing over it, like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And to me, I felt sorry for him until that point. Yeah. Because I was like, you knew better. You should have contacted them yourself. Yep. So the next morning, the police were there. And it was two counts of kidnapping and one second-degree rape. Okay. Um, His lawyer... His lawyer argues for him that the victim in this case had actually asked him, will you cover the camera? And he adamantly refused and was like, no, I'm not. So his lawyer said that is a testament of his innocence in this because no perpetrator is going to want it filmed to be used against them later. I mean, not a smart one. So it goes through his whole thing. He went to jail. He went to trial and he was ultimately found not guilty of his okay but he talks about he starts crying in the documentary talks about how he had friends for life that had exited his life after this because they couldn't believe that he didn't want some part of it like that he he was correct right i mean i and i get it because it is one of those things right because yeah you fell for this hoax, this ruse or whatever. But you still did it. But you still did it. And not only that, but like if I have a child Mm -hmm. and, you know, Deputy Smith has called my home and says that you have to strip search my child, you're going to do it. Right. So it's, it it brings up a different type of concern Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't typically have. But anyway. Um, I digress. No, you're fine. Um, before the 2004 stuff with Donna and Walter, in the documentary, that's when I told you he was getting ready to go to the precinct. He actually went to the precinct and was asking them, like, who, who what officer is this? Mm-hmm. And they were like, that's not an officer. That's corrections. Like, those pants are corrections pants. And that's when he's like, but they're police pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, they're like, no, sir. It's corrections. Right. So, so corrections is the people who work inside of a prison. Correct. Yeah. Correct. On your corrections. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it cuts back to 2004 and there are three jails. Okay. And you get to meet Chris Hubbard, which is a individual that worked at the jail that mm-hmm. they ultimately get to. They go to the first one. They show him the picture. No good. So it's like one's close to them, one's in the middle, and one's way far out. Right. They went to the first one that was close, no and dice. then they went to the very far out one. Mm-hmm. And that's when they met with the warden. That's what they're called. Yeah. And they're like, oh, uh, let me get one of my people in here. Chris Hubbard comes in and goes, that's David Stewart. Oh, and he's well, like, hello, David. Okay. And he said, well, is he at work? You know, can we talk to him? He's like, oh, no. He said, what's his information? We need to talk to him. He's like, well, I'll do you one better. He's here today. <laughs> See, they don't call ahead. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> um, 
so they he's like well bring him up <laughs> you know like i want to meet mr david stewart so he asked david do you know why we're here and he said he didn't know and he says um victor says well, he goes by vic vic says we know you made the calls and when he says that um david mr mm-hmm. stewart says let me find exactly what he says um was anyone hurt or thank God no one was hurt. And then he said, no, he says, was anyone hurt? Thank God it's over. And then he stopped talking. Right. And before that, they, he said something about the calls and he said he'd never bought a calling card is what he told the officer. And then he said, was anybody hurt? Thank God it's over. Mm-hmm. So really, well, your doppelganger is at the Walmart. You got a twin brother. What's his name? But this, I think, was an error, like a... a, a <clears throat> critical error because mm-hmm. it they lost the ability to be able to catch him in the act because now he's aware that they're aware yeah and now he's on stop so or getting super sneaky yeah so he did get a court order to search david's house he lived in rural fountain inn in florida florida okay thank god <laughs> he lived in a little trailer and they found a lot of police paraphernalia, which fit the MO. Right. Numerous applications for different police departments he had put in. Mm-hmm. And then the most interesting thing I thought was they found this diary that he had mm-hmm. either worked at a police department or this is all imaginary, but like he documented like different chases. I like got to uh, chase a car at 125 miles an hour today with and insert somebody's name. And then the next thing would be like, got to do another police chase today at 175 miles an hour. Like, just different stuff like that. He well, was concerning. obsessed with being a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they oh. found a calling card. I thought you never purchased a calling Correct. card. Correct. You never used one. So, it was too... He was trying to get him charged. So he reached out to like the DA... Um, just everybody like, what can we get him in for? And they said it was too hard to convict him of a sex crime. Yeah. So Vic in the documentary is complaining because it's like, here I, here it is. I found this man. I know it's him and mm-hmm. I can't get anybody to charge him. Right. So he calls Stump. There you go. Get Stump on the case. <laughs> and Stump was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he going down for something. <laughs> I don't care what it is. We're going to find it. So Stump went to his local judge. and He got a warrant. He went down to uh, Florida and got him. Okay. He said that um, he called his wife and was like, pack my bags, honey. I'm going to Florida. Florida. Um, so then it cuts to, I think this is like episode three, the yeah. last one. Um, and you meet Steve Romney. And that is the attorney for Stewart. Stewart. Okay. And he talks about how police facts are almost never actually what happens. Okay, whatever. And he says David is not guilty. Oh, okay. And that's the end of two, and it starts three. All right, so open episode three, the final. Okay. <laughs> um, it starts with Stump on his 10-hour drive back from Florida to Kentucky. That had to be an interesting drive for sure he said that they kind of talked about just small stuff yeah, football um, and things just very shooting the breeze they found out you know he's married he has five kids he went to the academy 
Stump says he got the feeling that Stewart thought he was one of them, like that he was an officer. Oh. He said that he felt like it didn't get real to him until they got into Kentucky. Yeah. And it was like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah. I'm going to the, I'm going, you know, I'm yeah. be put in this jail. Yeah. So they charged him with solicitation of sodomy and impersonating a police officer. Okay. So, initially, his bond was set at half a million dollars. <laughs> well, we're going to keep it. Don't mess up in Kentucky. And they argued, the, they argued that it was set so high because he's 650 miles from home. Yeah. And that he can be a flight risk. His lawyer argues that was absolutely ridiculous. Right. And they ultimately get it reduced down to 100000 All right. Um. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this man's name because I'm pretty sure I'm going to brutalize it. But he did a, he has his own podcast called Pretend Podcast. Okay. And he really went into this. He talks about how he traveled the country and he would stop at different fast food places and be like, have you heard of the strip search caller? And like, nobody had heard of it. No, because it's weird. Well, it had happened so many times, but nobody... Nobody knew about it. So it wasn't getting out. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, getting the press. It wasn't like be on the lookout. Hey, don't strip search your employees. Like it wasn't even like a main, hey, don't hey. do this thing. Right. Um, law enforcement doesn't work that way. And we're up to 100 calls now. Right. So we're at 73 and now it's 100 calls and still nobody knows anything about it. You would think corporate of these companies would be like, hey, do not. Right. Put it at your phone. Yeah. Do not strip search. <laughs> yeah. So it cuts back. Well, it doesn't cut back. It speeds up to 2007 and back to Georgia. Um, not Georgia. I don't know why I have Georgia there because this is Deborah. Oh, yeah. This is Georgia. So it's back to 2002. Excuse me. This is Georgia, the one with Deborah, the one that was at the Taco Bell. Right. Um, the twin. Number 67. Yeah. yeah. Call 67. So she goes to sue. All right. So she sue, she sues the franchise because it's a franchise talk about that she's at. And she sues the manager. Yeah. All right. Her case really bothered me because they went at her like hardcore. Yeah. That it was her fault. She did this thing. She was a part of it. All her fault. They wanted all of her therapy notes. They wanted her to get up on the stand. They wanted her to testify about every single detail that happened. You're all not entitled to therapy notes. They they wanted her to go through it again. And yeah. she just couldn't. Yeah. And she she talks about, like, she, she just couldn't. Like, she wanted to, but she just could not bring herself to go back through it again. Well, she wanted a sense of justice. Correct. She wanted something, you know, to, and, yeah, yeah, to validate like this thing happened to, to me, me, yeah, and you were a part of it. All right, and the biggest thing that stuck out to me is what the judge said, and she still has it saved on her phone. She actually like reads it to you, and I wrote it down because I just was blown away by it. Um, it says this is what the judge said to her after she lost her case. Okay, um, court should not be used to proper to propagate a culture of victimology slash entitlement that degrades the very sense of individual responsibility and hard work on which this great nation was founded. The best lessons 
learned are usually the most expensive. At tremendous expense, plaintiff hopefully will have learned to think for herself. Okay. All right. What does it just say? It didn't say. Huh. Well, that's unfortunate. Is that not awful? That is awful. So, first of all, our whole court system is built upon victims. I mean, I'm sorry, but there's not a crime if there's not a victim, right? I mean, I know there's victimless crimes as far as that goes, but for the most part, it's getting justice for the victims, correct? Like, whether that's a business, a person, whatever. Right. And the, the reason that there's personal lawsuits is so people can get damages. Be made paid, whole. Be made whole to, you know. I don't. I, that really blew me away. It's basically telling her, shame on you. Shame on you. And you're playing the victim. You're not actually a victim. You're mm-hmm. playing the victim. And if you want money, go to work. Mm-hmm. And it's not their fault that this thing happened to you. You should have known better. Right. Okay. Which, she's 19, and I get that, but I also get... But the manager should have knew better. If Correct. That, it's the same thing. <laughs> the manager should have... She was it, older. Mm-hmm. She had seniority. Like, she is culpable, too. Well, her manager was a male. Deborah's was. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Well, it's not even... It's worse for her as a victim. I agree. I mean, it's the difference between stripping your clothes off in front of a woman... Yeah. ...who has all the same parts. Oh, I agree. It's still terrible. It's but, horrible. Yeah, and I don't want to... I just, that blew me away. Yeah. So she got nothing. Like, no, nothing. Nothing. So then it kicks up to 2007, and it goes back to Luis. And Luis is like, watch this, hold, hold, hold my hat. Um, because here's what she does. See, I want to hold my beer. Well, yeah, I don't drink. So. Hold, hold my coffee. <laughs> hold my coffee. Gosh, I should have thought of that. <laughs> um, take two. Hold my coffee. Okay. And Luis gets a hot shot. Um, attorney and I'm going to try to find her name because I wrote it down. Um, it'll be in here somewhere, but she go and her, the lawyer's name is Ann old father. Oh yeah. I girl. Bring it. And she goes to Sue McDonald's for $200 million. Okay. Okay. So the judge is Tom McDonald, which is how fitting is that? Oh God. Um, <laughs> but don't do it. Don't do it. I can see. Don't do it. He, they interviewed him, and he says it was just so bizarre. Like, he had never seen a case like that and never seen a case like that since. But Anne took it upon herself to show that McDonald's knew about this hoax caller and had known for a while and didn't do anything to put stuff in place to protect Luis. Yeah. And, and, and or their managers. And then the plot thickens because one of the private detectives, it's not even a detective, like... It was somebody serving paperwork for McDonald's yeah. to one of Luis's friends. Yeah. Um, was impersonating a cop, intimidating that person as a witness. So that was in the news, too, when all this was happening. Um, that person was arrested. Well, but it's just interesting. Hey, it's illegal to pretend to be a law enforcement officer if you're not, in fact, a law enforcement officer. Yeah. And it's also illegal to intimidate people by the fact that you are a law enforcement officer. Or and a witness to a case. You cannot intimidate witnesses to cases. Yep. It's, I think they were trying to shut it down. Yeah, they're trying to spook them out. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you jerk face. So they did the same thing to her that they did to um, Deborah. Mm-hmm. They, want, they, pulled, they wanted her um, therapy nets. They wanted her on the stand. They wanted her to testify. And Luis did. Yeah. She's like, all right. And you get to hear 
from her and some of her stuff. And you can watch it to go farther into that because she, she explains some of the stuff. But Anne Oldfather had petitioned the judge. Um, she'd been asking McDonald's to release like what they had mm-hmm. and how many cases they knew about and all that because she wanted to prove they knew. It finally took a court order from a judge um, telling them, give, turn it over. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the night before that they were supposed to go to court, McDonald's delivered all these cases. Okay. Mm-hmm. 16 boxes. 16 boxes worth. Of information, of information about this false yes. caller, this hoax caller, that they knew about it. Correct. And prior. did nothing. Correct. And that they had settled six cases prior. Oh, okay. So they've been sued before. Yeah, but they settled them so they didn't go into right, right. litigation or whatever. So they settled them outside. So they even tried to bring Luis in. They they got the, they started to say she was in on it. And oh, yeah. She brought it upon herself. Mm-hmm. They interviewed. It's the same maintenance guy that stopped it all. Yeah. They had him come in and testify that she said she was going to get a big check, paycheck slash payday. Did she say that? That's what he claimed. Now, they said Anne was able to poke holes in that. Mm-hmm. So they don't think much of that stuck with the jury. Right. But they had also petitioned the, the court to allow that entire two and a half, three, I think it was three hour video in its entirety to be played in front of the jury. Ooh. So they got to experience all of that. And um, I don't remember who it was in the documentary that says that you couldn't hear anything. It was so quiet when that was happening, except you could hear jurors crying. Yes, because you're watching, like, the little bit that I saw on the first episode. Yeah. It it was heart-wrenching. Oh, Because she's crying. Mm -hmm. Like, she is... Oh, yeah. I can she's only terrified. I like, can you can see imagine. that in her eyes. Like, she's being victimized. Um, they also said that she should just walked out. That But naked. Yeah. Into the crowded she restaurant. Left. What, they had and her they keys. And they asked her, why, did you, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you even try the door? Because she apparently never tried the door. And it cuts to her testimony. And she's like, I thought I couldn't leave. This man had already beat me for the last however long. I thought if I tried to leave. If I, I have to say, no, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And if I'm going to get punished for not doing that, what's going to happen to me when I have to leave? Right. Like and when this I try person's already put his hands on me multiple times. And you took my keys and my clothes. And I'm naked. Like, how am I supposed to go out there? But that's what they argued. But, um... The they break and it goes to um, they go to the jury goes to do their thing. They come back and they do award her six point one million dollars. Yeah, um, which good, good. I, I kind of wished it was the two hundred million, but well, corporate absolutely should have put policies in place. Yeah, like it, like you said, a sign beside the phone would have been they freaking sufficient to don't strip search your employees. Yeah. Like I think Stump actually says that in the documentary, like put it beside the phone, like do something. Yeah, like do due diligence. Right. So then, this is in two thousand seven. All hers is settled. In two thousand six was the criminal trial of Mr. Stewart. Okay, and um. His lawyer's talking about there's no there's no real evidence to tie Stewart there. What? Because is it beyond a reasonable doubt? I mean, he may have bought the cards, but can you say definitively he he made the calls? No, you can't. I mean, I I, I see where they're going. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I see it. Like, if it's beyond a reasonable doubt, like. 
yes, he bought cards. We don't know what those cards were purposed for. And it's not like they only found one card, right? Yeah. So it's not like he had all these cards. I think it would have been different if they would have found one of the old cards that they could tie to the mm -hmm. calls in his possession, maybe, or even multiple of them, but yeah. he didn't. He got rid of it. Yeah. So they only had the one. The only thing that they could correlate was that his days off from the prison were the same days that a lot of these calls took place. No. Now, his wife actually testified that during some of these calls, he was getting the kids and stuff, so there's no way he could have done it. I still feel like there's a way he could have done it. I feel like he could slip out. I'm going to run this errand. And, yeah. you know, so. I mean, even that, your wife is going to be like, you know, defend you most likely. Like, you know. Yeah. And then his lawyer argues, because the statement that still came up to me was when he said, was anybody hurt? Thank God it's over. Mm -hmm. Okay. When Vic described what took place, he said he asked him those like two questions. And then he's like, anybody hurt? Thank God this is over. Mm -hmm. Okay. He took that to be an admission of guilt. Yeah. His lawyer said that after you have been interrogated for hours and hours, wouldn't you be like, thank God this is over? And that's what he says that it was in response to, that he was just, thank God this interview is over. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he I mean, argues that. I can see that, but how I would have Vic testify to the, like, amount of time. Like, did you ask him two questions? Like, two or I three agree. questions? Was it hours? And I don't know, because it doesn't go into all that, because I don't know if well, you know, that. I'm going to poke holes and everything, but go ahead. <laughs> but his lawyer goes again into the whole thing of what the police put out there is not always factual stuff, okay. and that you can't trust it, and whatever the police facts are are almost never the actual facts. That was his big, like, Shoot, what is that thing? Your soapbox. Yeah. That was his big soapbox. Like, yeah. he was not getting off of that. Um, so they go, trial's over. They go to deliberate. It took them two hours. They came back, and he's found not guilty. Yuck. Um, but I will tell you guys, and this is the end of it, that even though there have been a hundred calls that we know of in yeah. 32 different states, oh. only eight people have been charged. Yeah. With something. With something. Only eight. And that's only a hundred that we know of. There could be so many more. Well, yeah, because I'm sure there was other calls. Oh, yeah. That, you know, they either didn't report it to law enforcement or he just didn't get that far. Correct. You know. But eight people charged. Since he was picked up in 2004, there have been no other calls. That we know of. That we know of, yes. So. It just stopped. Yeah. Suddenly. It was him. Like, I have no doubt. I agree. It like, was just too perfect. But I think it was like almost the perfect crime. Because yeah. he got to do what he wanted to do. It was almost untraceable. Mm -hmm. Almost. Yep. And um, it does tell you at the end that they reached out to McDonald's to speak and they declined. And then they reached out to Mr. Stewart. And he also declined. Well, yeah. I don't know. I feel like if I'm innocent, I'm be like, yeah, it wasn't me. That was so, so crazy. crazy. Like, they told me I'd make all these. You know, that's just me, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So that is, don't pick up the phone. Yeah, and y'all, don't do it. Like, <laughs> don't pick up the phone. Well, There's so know. many lessons in this one. There is so <laughs> many lessons in this one. Oh my God, I don't even know where to start. Like, I am flabbergasted at this. I told you, and that's why it stuck with me so much, because it was just so... You kidding, right? Like, like nobody really did that. Like, like I thought at the end it was going to be like, <laughs> you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Like, PSA. Yeah. But not like a... Parody. And not an actual, like, this stuff really happened. This really happened. And it's just mind-blowing that he got away with it. And I have notes, AC. Yes, you do. A lot of them. Can you hear my notes? 
And you know that she really loves you guys because she used her office stationery. The office TV show stationery. And she loves the office. Yeah, so. and you'll have to tell me if I did a terrible job and if you never want um, Scully to do another one. <laughs> we need to know. Um, don't listen to her because I'm not going to do this all by myself. I mean, I'm here. I, <laughs> I'm not going to do all this. I need to know if I need to be a second character. What is it, like the main character and the supporting character? I need to know if that's my role and I need to stay there. We are both main characters, period. <laughs> well, you give I, You know what I mean. They know what I mean. Y'all know what I mean. I have control issues. That's why I've been running uh, the last several. So I think you did a great job. I found this one really interesting. I love this story. I love and hate this story at the same time. Like I, we, we yeah. paused a few minutes ago for a bathroom break. I said I love and hate the story because I love this story because what? Yeah. But I hate the story because what? <laughs> like, You're right. It's just so much. Like if this was not a real story, I would make fun of this all day long. Y'all have no idea. But... It's real, and I can't make fun of it because people were hurt, people were harmed, and I just cannot bring myself. I could not get over the judge. Oh, no. like that. I just thought that was such a slap in the face. Like, that's literally telling a victim, oh, well, you should have known better. Yeah. And, like, that just, that blows my mind. Right. Like, I just, I can't see a judge doing it. I know. Too bad you didn't get that name. I know, right? People are like, you suck, sir. And it's still on her phone, and it's... Oh, it you sticks know, with her. Yeah, that's something she feels. So, I mean, imagine feeling the shame already and then being, like, publicly shamed by this judge of, like, yeah, you were stupid. Good luck. Yeah. Like, essentially, that's what you told her. Yeah, but the manager was also stupid, so I don't understand I agree, but how, the whole blame got laid to her. I know, but you can't. I agree. To me, you can't do that. Like, and then corporate, if they had prior knowledge, mm-hmm. it's stupid, too, because you didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Nobody did. Yeah. So, now, McDonald's did say in the documentary that in the trial that they had sent out stuff, but it wasn't enough. You just sent out an email. I, I'm assuming they were like, oh, whatever, and just like, This is going it. on. Yeah. But, and then, you know, you get what you get. Yeah. You know. So, Coffee Breakers, this is going to wrap our episode of Don't Pick Up the Phone. Yeah. But before we go, like us, share us, rate and review us. If you're on Apple Pod, you can leave... Um, a review there, Google Pod, you can do that as well, Spotify, um, you can send us voice messages mm-hmm. on Spotify, have that enabled, you can support us if you would like to kick um, some funds our way to do for your request and upgrade our equipment, we'd be much appreciative, told you when we get our free merch line, no, when we get our merch line, you'll get a free item, there you go, yeah, because it won't be free, no. Um, exciting stuff coming to you next week. We're going to be covering a missing persons case. Mm -hmm. AC will be, not Scully. (laughs) I just feel like we need to say that. (laughs) AC will be covering, I will be commenting. Keep going. I'll stop Uh, tearing up my paper. Um, (laughs) okay. We're... VioletIvy.com. Check them out. Check out Dirty Little Soaps Company. Check out SKD Creations on Facebook. Awesome, awesome, awesome companies. And also, we have a surprise mm-hmm. coming to you guys. So I'm very excited about that. Absolutely. The owner of Inked Coffee Company has reached out to us to get us to try some of their coffees. And when I tell you guys, I am so excited. And we both geeked out. out. We are so excited. Check them out on their page. 
as soon as we get it, I promise you, we will be doing a uh, episode, a free for all, yes, to cover it. And we are super excited. Thank you guys for listening. Oh, also, hey Philippines, thanks for joining the family. <laughs> and until next time, we love you. Bye, Bye. guys.